0: Great story of um, Oscar Peterson's dad giving him an arcadum record. Mm-hmm. And it's like I mean he was just devastated. Because he was thinking I'm getting really good. And then he heard that and apparently that's the longest of his life he ever played. He stopped playing for about two months.
1: Did you ever look at music that way? Like Did sense? you ever listen to somebody got that discouraged
0: that you wouldn't play? Did I ever feel like that? Yeah. Um no, no, I never felt like that like because, um, you know, one of my favorite things is uh, I tell people it's my prized It's my grandfather's copy of the desiderata. And uh, so part of that is uh, um, if you compare yourself to others, you will become vain and bitter for there will always be greater and lesser persons than yourself. So enjoy your achievements as well as your plans, their real possession and the changing fortunes of the world.
1: When did you memorize this?
0: Oh, I don't know. It's just like like something that, that uh, uh, you grew up with. Yeah, it's just like like the whole. There's tons of great advice in the whole thing, but the, but that is so true. Is that there's always going to be like no matter how you know the uh, I always think of uh, Michael Jackson. Apparently, there's a story that you know he used to write on his bathroom wall. He had a number written It a hundred million. He wanted to sell a hundred million records. He already had the biggest selling record to this day. I think it's still the biggest selling yeah, record of so all time. Yeah. As a "Thriller." Yeah. And, uh, but he wanted. To, he got forty million with that. Now he wants to do a hundred million. So like no, so so no matter where you are and no matter what you do, there's always some something big. higher yeah. point that you're not there and it frustrates you. So if you let it frustrate you, so 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 I just sort of took it for granted that. Uh, you know, there's, like, I'm as good as I am. There's tons of people not as good as me, and there's tons of people who are much better than me. And that's what, uh, if if I'm going to get miserable about that, I'm going to be sad my whole life. How,
1: how, did, how did you start playing the piano? I don't think I've ever asked this question.
0: Uh, well, um, my grandfather, who was a man of humble means, um, worked at the Timothy Eaton Company. And my mother uh, decided she wanted to learn piano. So she asked my, her father, my grandfather, for a piano, uh, and, which was a really expensive thing. Uh, but he came through and he bought her a piano so she could learn to play piano. And she never learned to play piano at all. When did she make that request? When she was young? Yeah, when she was quite young. Yeah, because cause she, she was pretty young when she had me. She was like around like 20 or so when she had me. And so so uh, so because of that, because of this piano that her father had given her, there was always a, a, a real piano in her house, even though we were kind of pretty poor when we were growing up. But we always had a piano, this piano that was given to us by our, our grandfather. And so the piano was kind of like my toy, in the house and and when I was a kid I was always kind of noodling around on it and just it was just always there and so that was something that I kind of played with and then eventually you know it was kind of like well you're always fooling around on this thing so we might as well get you some lessons and then uh, on it went from there.
1: But did you have an instant attraction
0: to piano music? Yeah 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 not piano music just like because I didn't know about piano music I just uh just the piano was there I think it's just like it's um, you know, again, it was almost like a toy to me. Like it was just, it was just, it was just there and, and, and I was always playing on it. And were you good? Did you have like a natural talent for you?
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: I'm, I'm, um, I'm not a big believer in natural talent. Like uh, this is sort of an argument I have with people all the time. That the, that well, did the, you make anything m- sounding musical? Uh, I think what I had, you know, uh, is a, a saying is a, uh, Mozart, I think he said, is uh, uh, there's no such thing as genius. It's love, love, love. Right. So you and, had a And, love- and I love I loved playing the piano. So, so, so because when you really love something, you get amazing at it, like even though you're not even trying to do that. It's just because that's all you're ever doing. Right? right. So you had that passion. Yeah, I did have the passion. Yeah, for and, sure. And
1: when they sent you to take classical it was a classical, classical it was
0: classical yeah like, so it was at, and, the, at the royal conservatory
1: oh okay so did you love that too like did you follow
0: uh, well you know uh, um i did in certain ways like i mean it's hard like yeah, you, yeah. you know like all the stuff that they get you to do so it's not necessarily you know the sort of thing you might be first choosing to do especially when you're a kid like you know like doing these scales yeah. and all the things you got to do right uh, so, you know, half the time, you know, my mother was always yelling at me and I'm like, practice your lessons, you know, as opposed to just me just kind of noodling and fiddling around and just like, uh, you know, the, 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 the joke in the family used to be that like, I couldn't play a single song from start to finish, you know, I just like, you know, play a little bit of this and then move on to the next thing. So just kind of a,
1: but can she really criticize? Cause she never really, you know, she asked for the piano and really didn't
0: do anything. Oh, yeah, of course she can criticize.
1: <laughs> She's a mom. She gets to do whatever she wants. <laughs> did, did you love music at that point when you're fiddling around? Or was this like, like, did you like music and listen to music on the radio?
0: Yeah, or? so what So what happened was that the interesting thing was that the piano was in the home as a result of uh, my mom. It was just a crazy accident or circumstance why we had a piano. Uh, but my dad... Uh, who was a real kind of uh, you know free spirit '60s hippie type guy was crazy about music and and was like was really knowledgeable about music and loved great music and whenever I spent time with him which was you know pretty much all the time like he you know he had the greatest taste in music and and very wide ranging. Can you give me examples? Yeah, uh, he. Um, He loved a whole bunch of bands that I think are like, we love the Beatles, Mm -hmm. you know, like and they're the greatest. I mean, he loved, um, he loved, uh, and a lot of these bands he loved kind of before anybody knew who they were. Like he loved Supertramp before anybody knew who they were. He loved um, Fleetwood Mac before anybody had much heard about them. Paul Simon. Uh, I remember going with my dad to see uh, Harry Connick Jr. play in in a club with nobody there because nobody knew who he was, but he knew who he was, you know uh he loved like classical music I think I might have mentioned that uh, uh he 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 really loved everything and 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 we were so we were all and a million other things and so we were always listening um you know I just sorry I'm just re- remembering now like I remember like he had like a a Wendy Carlos stu- like I, who I think was with a man who became a woman, like who who did a like a syn like a synthesized album of Tchaikovsky, you like, but all synthesizers, right. like like a, just like crazy, like very wide range, but it was all like really high quality stuff. So so I I kind of got my passion uh, for all the different music I was into in in many ways from him, and uh, but I was mostly at home with my mom, and that's where I was actually learning to play.
1: So were you actually? taking those songs and trying to play them on the piano as well?
0: I think that came later. Um, I, don't, I don't think I was necessarily doing that uh, when, I, you know, when I was first learning, when I was, but, but more when I was a teenager. Like, there, there did come a point in time where all, all of a sudden I became obsessed with any song that I liked. I wanted to figure out, break it down harmonically and, and figure out what made it great. So, and, and did you continue the
1: classical music route?
0: Yeah, I continued the classical music uh, route until maybe I was like maybe fifteen or sixteen, and then at that point I figured I was way too cool to be uh, doing uh, <laughs> classical music. because like I was like a, becoming a hip rock musician. And you had a band, or did you have? Yeah, uh, well, I might have had a, you know bands with friends and stuff, but like like nothing serious. Anyway, but so it, you know like like I was just just a typical teenager. Like I didn't you know I got to the point where I didn't want to do the right. scales and lessons anymore, so I dropped out. And I had been on and off as a student. Like there was a couple of times when my mom had taken me out of the lessons because I was never practice what I was supposed to practice. But then I would ask to be put back in. Uh, and so I did get pretty far into it, but I, you know, I never quite finished. I got to uh, when I quit for good. I was in grade eight uh, of the, the the grades that you do in a conservatory. But uh, interestingly, I went back when I was about. Uh, I don't know, like maybe it was in my late 30s. Uh, like I decided to go back and I finished uh, right. my classical studies. And I did what's called an ARCT, which is your kind of your sort of your classical music.
1: Yeah, I remember thing. you working on
0: that. Yeah. And, it and was, this it was, was like. It was insanely difficult. <laughs> but, but it was great. I mean, like I was, it was one of the most gratifying things I ever did. So I went back and I, I finished it.
1: What made you do that? Because you spent years working on that. Yeah, this. it was and, it was like, it was
0: crazy what I had to do. Like, because I had to, you know, I had to. Uh, there's a lot of exams. Like, uh, uh, like there was like about like 20 different exams I had to do before I could do that. Right. Uh, and then and then you know your big final exam. I don't know it's just something I had always kind of wanted to do, and it just kind of felt like unfinished business. Like almost the equivalent of like i you know I'd sort of left college with like you know needing three more credits to get a degree type of thing
1: well i remember you going through
0: that and i remember the the amount of work you were putting into it yeah my, my family thought it was nuts <laughs> <laughs> because they thought why why are you doing this to yourself like why Because like, it was so hard it was so much work like because it was really no practical reason to do it and you must have been fun to be around too <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was yeah, it was. But it's
1: one of those it's just another one of those things that makes me respect you so much more because oh, okay. you have that discipline to do this. Like it did seem crazy. It, yeah, it 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 it
0: it did. I mean, it was it was a, that's I did feel happy and proud of myself for having the discipline to get it done because it was it was it was very difficult and um
1: and you didn't pass like the first time. Right? No, I did. not. Like you
0: went back and I had to, yeah. I had to go back and do it again and and uh, um yeah, so it was like it was like seriously, it was like it was like Mount Everest. It was like it was just like one of like you know, because uh, on top of that, like I'm I'm working all the time. I've got my family. I, like I mean, I had a, a you know million other things on the go. Yeah. Uh, so it, that's one of the reasons why you know people kind of felt like well, this is not really the most you know well advised thing to be doing. <laughs> uh, but you know, I just really wanted to do it, and, and I'm glad I did. Like I mean, like it it it, uh, it was it really you know. Improved my musicianship and and uh, it was it was it was very educational and it was great.
1: So I'm talking to Dave Murphy of the Dave Murphy Band, who used to also be the musical director for Jeff Healy's band. You also played with Ronnie Hawkins, is yes, that correct. Um, yeah. At what point did you decide that you wanted to be a musician?
0: It was it was not uh, really ever kind of my intention. <laughs> Still to thinking be a musician. I mean, I love music, but I was never actually planning on being a musician. Which is, in some ways, you know, if you could go back and do it all over again, I kind of feel like I, I probably could have done a much better job of it had I kind of realized <laughs> that it. that 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 you're going to be a musician, so maybe you should take this a bit more seriously. But I never did. <laughs> um, yeah, like when I was in high school, I was in you know just some different bands with friends and stuff, uh, but was not. Had no plans. To, like I was good at music, but it was not kind of like I, I wasn't thinking of it as a you know possible vocation.
1: And you're it. probably good because you're just classical, classical training. training. Well, too, there's right? that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, like, uh, um, like I'll never forget. Like I was in you know I'd been doing my conservatory training, and then uh, I had some friends uh, in high school who had a band and, needed, and they needed a keyboardist. And you know it's funny, like in those days when you need someone, like you just say like you need a bass player, like it's like you get anybody. It's like you don't know how to play bass. Okay, well we'll, here's a bass. You figure it out, you know. So this band needed a keyboardist, and uh, and you know, but the only thing I'd really played at that point was pretty much classical music. and uh, so one of the songs that they wanted to do was Freebird <laughs> by Leonard Skinner, which actually has a, yeah. a, a, you know, a fairly involved piano part.
1: Yeah, nice part.
0: Uh, and because that guy, I don't even know who it is, but he's a great player. Yeah. And uh, but because, uh, you know, what I was really surprised at at the time was that it, it, because of my classical training it was like, oh, this, you know, this. I can do this. This is this is not so hard, right?
1: This is you figuring it out. By, you yeah, know. you
0: know, I figured it out, you know, by listening to it. And, you know, I figured out how to play it. And then, you know, I'm playing it in this band. And then, you know, people are freaking out. They're like, oh, this is so great. You know, wow, it's amazing. No one's ever going to say that about you if you're playing like a, you know, like a, a Beethoven piece or something, right? So, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like, oh, it's so cool. You know, so so all of a sudden, you know, like I never realized that, wow, I can, you know, this... <laughs> This ability that I had, I can now use it to, to play in bands. And, you know, for the first time in my life, you know, uh, uh, someone would think a geeky person like me is kind of cool. <laughs> you were sold. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. Okay, man. Boy, look at, look at me. I'm actually doing something people like, you know.
1: But a lot of classical musicians can read and execute really well. Yes. But they don't have the ability to improvise.
0: Yes. Did you? I was the opposite. <laughs> so how did I that happen? I can't read to save my life. I, really? It's funny because when uh, when I was uh, uh, I, I I took a, when I was in university, I, I, I had to audition to get into the U of T uh, music program. Right. And part of the audition was uh, sight reading, and 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 I did. There's a number of elements to this, but but uh, when I got to the sight reading part of it. The the guy who was interviewing me sort of like was saying like how did you learn your pieces like because it's like it was because like, I couldn't read at all. <laughs> so how
1: did you learn? Was it just memorizing?
0: Well, yeah, like I was I was always a terrible reader, so I was more kind of like a, a, a listen to it and learn how to play it, like kind of that way. Like I could I could read, but but it'd be more like you know like if I was reading a book and and I was reading it like the. <laughs> brown dog you know like yeah, yeah like so so that's kind of how i read
1: wow but you were able to always pick up and and just kind of figure it out
0: yeah like slowly i would put it together and and um and uh, that's how i did it that's crazy. so
1: once you discovered the magic of free bird yeah thought, this, this, <laughs> this is what
0: i want to do no no not at all oh like the, all at that point all i wanted to do was just like be in bands right Right, and so, so, so at that point, I was starting to be kind of regularly in different bands, uh, but these were just, um, you know, just high school bands, right? Couple of bands, yeah. And then, and then, uh, um, uh, partway through this whole process, uh, I, I had just an acquaintance who I saw in a mall. I was walking in where I grew up in a mall, and and there was a record store there. And this guy who was a little bit older than me said, like, you know, you like keyboards. So here's a couple of bands you should really check out. And uh, I think it was uh, Deep Purple right. and Genesis. Because I, I was a total rocker kid. Like, I loved rock, right? Yeah, but yeah. there wasn't really much keyboards in rock, right? But, but but that was great about Deep Purple. It's like, you know, this is as rocking as he can get, but there's great keyboards. Like, John Lord <laughs> is like, just yeah. like the cats meow, right? So... Uh, so that kind of got me more kind of starting to listen to uh, rock music that that had keyboards in it, and then uh, I had a friend uh, in in high school whose name is Dave Friedman, who's a, a great uh, guitarist, and uh, he really idolized Kim Mitchell, who is a like a monster guitarist mm-hmm. and musician. And uh, I, I think at that, that time, this was before there was ever like a Kim Mitchell solo. This was just uh, in the Max Webster era. So we put together a, uh, a band doing all Max Webster. Uh, and uh, that was my first... So, so that was the first band I'd ever played some clubs with. And I always tell people a story that our first gig that we ever did, we made $11. Each? Not each. <laughs> Collectively. And with my share, I bought a can of El <laughs> 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 so you got dinner out of yeah. the deal. So, I mean, we never really did like any, like, you know, we did like a few clubs, but like there was never, like it was, it was, it was never any, it wasn't real work, right? right? So I did that for a while and then that fell apart for whatever reason. And then, um, and then with some of the same guys, we end up doing a uh, Genesis tribute. So that was doing all, uh, Genesis music and yes, and things like that. And, and so, and, and, uh, it's really challenging like, like we couldn't do it well. Like, I mean, like, but, but in a, but in a way, like, when you bite off more than you can chew, like that, you're kind of challenging yourself yeah, yeah. that it, it does improve you.
1: And 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 which, which era of Genesis are we talking about? Oh uh,
0: well, it would have been. Uh, I think by that time it was Phil Collins' time, so it would okay. have been. It would have been both uh, Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. So I was doing all that, but uh, uh, but this was just for fun, really. Like you know, like it was never. I was never able to make any money from that. And then, so when I finished high school, the big plan was to go into radio and television. Oh. Did you know that? I probably not told that. you that, right? And doing what? So I was trying to get in some, because I figured, okay, well, this would be something cool to do. So I was trying to get into the Ryerson, they had a radio and television yeah,
1: program. Yeah. A very respected one. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It was a very, very highly respected program. And... Um, and, uh, but it was hard to get into. Mm-hmm. And I think, the, if I remember correctly at the time, it was something like 1,200 applicants. Of those 1,200, 300 would get interviewed. And of those 300, they accept 150 to the program. So I did manage to get to the interview stage. Wow. Uh, but then I never got actually uh, selected. In retrospect, probably one of the reasons why was because I hadn't done anything like extracurricular that had anything to do with that like it's, so. I think the only reason I was doing it was because like, radio and television yeah that'd be cool that'd be great for me but but in retrospect you know now when I look back and say like, what was I thinking why did I think that that would be what I would want to do so but you had a plan but I had yeah but what I what I did not have was a backup plan oh. like and I knew going in advance it was very hard to get in and I had no plan b so when I didn't get in that was it I was done school I was done and I, I was just kind of like just moved out and was just living at a, a house with a bunch of my friends and, and was just uh, working at a gas station is one of the many kind of menial jobs that I had and that was my career right as you know if you if you came in and got gas I would say you know this is this much and you know how are you paying and I'd take your money and that's what I was doing um so then, in the midst of this, uh, I think I was walking downtown or somewhere one day, and I saw a want ad, like 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 you know like kind of plastered on a, a like like a construction site, right. you know board or something, and it said, um, "Keyboardist wanted for Juno Award-winning band." And, uh, so I thought, wow, you know, I'm a keyboardist, you know, like so it, so it was like, like it wasn't planned. It was just kind of like, you know, this, maybe, maybe this is something I could do. And it was for award winning, uh, as I say, you know, like this. So, so anyway, so I answered the ad and I said, yeah, I'm a keyboardist. Maybe I could do it. And, uh, it's, uh, it turns out it's, uh, for a woman, uh, just kind of like a solo artist. And she says, "Well, uh, uh, and she tells me more about it. And it turns out it's a country band, which I did not know when I answered the ad. Right. And if I had known that, I probably never would have called at all, because like to me, like country music was the most terrible, awful music. Like I was like a heavy metal <laughs> right. guy. Like you know, like like I mean, to me, good music was like Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> so like country could not be more lame. Right. Uh, but but you know, after I sort of spoke on the phone to her. You know it got to the point where she's gonna come and hear me play and everything so it turns out she's a country artist so i'm expecting this really um kind of conservative country type person and uh her name and she's a wonderful person her name is kalita kalita haviland was her name and she shows up in my house and she's got pink hair because this was part of her deal which she's kind of like a kind of really quirky like it was almost like cindy Lauper meets country type thing right mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, so I didn't know this at the time, but they were desperate to get a keyboard player. <laughs> they, they were like, like apparently like they, they, they couldn't find anybody and had decided on, uh, they were going to, they were going to have to get a second guitarist and that the second guitarist like might be like, like a, a like a, a serial murderer, but, uh, <laughs> but they were, uh, but they couldn't find anybody else. So I, so, so they were just about to leave for Canada wide tour. And, uh, so, so they liked me and, and they, they, they brought me on and, and instantly I was making double what I was making at the gas station and I was playing music. And so like, this just all kind of happened by, and so like, like instantly I was just traveling across the country playing in a country band.
1: What was that experience like? So this is your first road
0: experience. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. It was, <laughs> it was like, it was, it was, it was, it was unbelievable um you got money it was it was a yeah it was like i was i was making all this money i was like i was playing music uh um and uh and it turned out you know like i very quickly realized that uh, country music is actually incredible and the musicians that play it are like amazing musicians and i, I really just got my my head opened up to um uh, uh, all sorts of new realities, and then, and then, of course, you know, like traveling across the country, and I was, I was really young, and and it was incredible. Wow, and and you fit in? I fit in, yeah. I think I fit in. Like, I mean, like, you know, I, I would it seemed like all, almost every band I was in, I was always like kind of the by far the youngest person. Like, like, you know, like the, the, they'd always give me nicknames like the kid. I think that's what they called <laughs> that band, the kid. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but I, you know, I could, I could play relatively well, and I did work at it. Uh, you, you know, like, like uh, I tell people a lot of the times, the best thing that can ever happen to you is to be the worst player in a good band. Right. Because then you just feel so badly about not being at the level of these other people that, that, that you, you, you want to rise to the occasion and, and do all the work in the woodshedding to get to their level. Which you did. Which, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I did, but I mean, I, I certainly really worked hard at it. Um, and, uh, and and these were great, great musicians and great, great people. And, and uh, it was a, a very uh, educational experience.
1: How long did that last?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing maybe a year or so, of, you know, like a, something like that.
1: So at this point, after a year, are you thinking this is what I want to do?
0: Um, no, you know, the funny thing is I was doing it for so long and still never considered it to be, like, my occupation. Like, like it's kind of what I was doing. I was just kind of just going along with it. Right. I didn't really intend it, but, like, I wasn't really thinking much about what I wanted to do at all. I was just kind of living day-to-day type of thing, right? Last minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then after, and then after about, like, a year or so of doing that, then I went on uh, the road with someone else, another country artist. And this, it, like... Uh, Kalita was kind of like country, but a little more country rock, Right. Uh, like a little bit of both. But then the next person I went on the road with was like a real kind of pure, uh, like old time country guy. Uh, and and uh, so that was really interesting and educational too. His name was Terry Sumption. Uh, and uh, again, that was with some really good musicians. So it was very uh, educational. And then, so I did that for, I don't know, maybe a year or so. And then after that, Somehow, some way, I found out that Ronnie Hawkins was looking for a keyboardist, and so then at that time, I uh, went out to uh, try and get a job with them. And you got the job. And I got the job. Like again, (laughs) again, I think it's because they just they didn't have any other good options. (laughs) And and so again, like like as in with all these other bands, because I was really young. Uh, that that because everyone else who was playing with them was like like much much older than me like they were you know <laughs> like my age now, and and so it was very difficult for them to put up with me because I was very um, I was very young and I was very green I was very new to it all.
1: How long did you do that?
0: Uh, I think on and off for like uh, five or six years. I wow, think. yeah, well, that's
1: got to be a, an amazing educational.
0: It was. It was, like, I mean, like, it was the, the, one of the, one of the guys that was a keyboardist before me in that band, not right before, but one or two before me was a guy named Stan Celeste, Mm -hmm. and Stan Celeste is, like, one of, like, like he was, like, a Doug Riley type, right, uh, level player, like, he was just one of the greatest musicians ever, and, and, you know, the guys in the band would say, like, listen to this, this is what you should be playing like, and again, you know, it's kind of crushing, like, you know, because he's just, he's high in the mountains and you're just like so low on the ground like with your level of ability but uh, here again like I was so motivated to try and you know catch up to that level so they wouldn't hate me Well, you lasted five <laughs> six years well I mean the, the, the funny thing was I mean uh, 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 you know pretty shortly into it um, you know because I was well organized and you know helpful in other ways like in some ways I was sort of almost kind of uh Leading the band in some ways, uh, even though, um, and I was a quick study, right. you know. So Ronnie, Ronnie used to call me the professor. <laughs> this was his nickname for me.
1: You must have learned a lot, though, from playing with somebody like Ronnie Hawkins. Oh
0: yeah, it's it's like a like a. Y- it is you. You do learn an awful lot <laughs> in so many ways, <laughs> and not all musical. Not all musical, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, uh, it's. It's like. Uh, I. You know, the the things he's done and the people he's associated with, and the, and the, uh, the 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 people who have played with him over the mm-hmm. years. I mean, he was uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, pretty amazing at sort of getting great musicians oh, to sure. work with him. So and now, are you thinking, I'm going to do music for life? No, <laughs> no, no, of you course not. <laughs> How old are you at this point? Mid twenties? Yeah, mid twenties. When I'm doing this, um, I've told uh, uh, this is uh, one of the uh, uh, great moments of my life. Uh, this uh, a good music story, and uh, what it is is that, um, like so many musicians Uh, because it's hard being a musician Mm -hmm. you know like and and, you know sometimes it's tough make a living and there's lots of different things you can complain about and and when you're in a business you do meet a lot of like really bitter upset (laughs) unhappy jaded musicians who are really you know yes miserable about what they're doing and uh you know there was a point in my life Uh, not long after that where I was sort of really starting to think about what do I want to do and do I really actually want to do this and um, and uh, uh, this was sort of maybe shortly after I had finished school I had finished university and and I was sort of thinking that you know what I think I would really like to do I think I would like to be a university professor this is what I would think I would like to do any subject Uh, philosophy okay which is, which is w- what I studied. Right. Good plan. Yeah, I tell people all the time, I was only in it for the money. <laughs> so um, so what happened was, is that I'm start so it, for, for the first time in my life, I'm probably like around 30, and for the first time in my life, I'm actually starting to think now, well, what am I going to do? Like, what is my career going to be? Because uh, like the music was kind of like an accidental thing that I'd just been doing all this time, because it was kind of fun. But right. now I was kind of sort of thinking about, well, is this actually going to be my career? And are you making okay money or not making money? Oh, uh, I think in those years I was not making much. Okay. You know, um, but I was making enough. Like I was making a living. Yeah. Like 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 you know. Uh, but uh, you know, so I was getting by. Anyway, uh, so so what happened was that I decided, okay, well, I, I think I'm going to be a. Um, I think I'd like to be a philosophy professor, but. Instead of just sort of blindly going into it, I, I should find a mentor and I should speak to this person about, like, you know, um, should I do this and what's it like and all the rest of it. You know, kind of find out something about it before I commit to it. So I had this idea that I'm going to track down my favorite professor from when I was in school. And, and, uh, but the thing is, these professors have very large classes and so chances are that this guy would not remember me at all. So I had it in my mind that I was going to contact this person, but never kind of got the nerve to do it. And then one day I had an epiphany. I'm walking down the street, and there he is. He's walking. It's like almost like it's meant to be. He's walking towards me. And uh, he was uh, Professor Friedman. Was his name? I was like, oh my God, Professor Friedman. You, you know. Did he remember you? No. <laughs> but I told him. I said, hey, I'm you know I'm one of your students. I was also one of your biggest fans. You were my favorite professor. And I'd actually been meaning to uh, speak to you because I wanted to find out, you know, what life in academia is like and and maybe, uh, you know, and I was asking him this and, you know, what's it like to be a professor? And he was like, ah, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, you know, it's maybe it's not all cracked up to be. It's a lot of hard work. And he was, I kind of got the impression that if he knew me better and he was speaking more freely, he'd actually start be saying like, oh my God, you'd be crazy to do this. It's such hard work. It's such a, and, and I have since then met other people in academia that it is actually like a really tough, tough, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, world to, to thrive and get ahead in. It's like brutally competitive. And so he was sort of kind of hinting at that. And then he asked me, Well, what are you doing right now? And I said, Well, I'm a musician. And like he's like, he's like, Really? You're a musician? Like, yeah, yeah. So, okay, but what else do you do? Like, as you kind of figure maybe as a waiter or something maybe. too, right? It's like, as like just music. It's like, nothing? <laughs> Only music? That's it? And he starts freaking out. He's like, that must be amazing. That must be the greatest thing. <laughs> and and you know, it made me realize kind of like. Yeah, you know, it really is actually pretty great because it's so much fun. And, and you oh, yeah. know, like, so that was actually kind of a, a, a turning point. That was kind of a point in time where I kind of, you know, realized, you know, yeah, it actually is pretty great. And, you know, uh, as a musician, you do meet people, you know, who are doctors and lawyers and all these different things who actually love the idea of being a musician yeah, you know, yeah. because it is. What they uh, want to do. Yeah, you know, like like it's it's like just a lot of people, it doesn't seem like work. And, and and in many ways, it isn't. I mean, it's the most fun thing in the world, right? You know, so I think I just needed to learn to appreciate what I had. And so that's that helped me do that. So that, that that was a moment that actually made me sort of realize, well, I guess I am going to be a musician.
1: So the takeaway from this is that when you walk down the street, a lot of things happen to you. These opportunities, yes. so these answers come to you when you walk yeah, down Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so now... Because you you,
0: th- that's, that's how I got on my band too, just walking down the street, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we should go for a walk. Okay, now you're thinking, okay, maybe musician is not a bad thing. And yeah. then what's your thought? Uh,
0: well, you know, like, I mean, I guess, I guess just looking at it, you know, like in a more positive way, which I've pretty much done ever since. Right. I think probably around that time, uh, I started to become interested in putting my own band together. Uh, Cause I was I was side guy for like like this is all I did for years like I'm I, there's a whole bunch of other people I was a side guy for like I, you know I, I worked with uh, and, um, uh, Paul James and uh, Danny Marks and uh, Jack DeKaiser and like a million a million other bands like that I was a pianist in their band right, right? and and uh, that's like so many bands so 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 for years and years and years uh, you know and so many bands and styles and everything I was a side man to everybody. And then there was a few uh, bands that I played in that were not any of the ones that I've said, and I won't say who it was, but there was some bands I played in where, where I, I kind of felt that the band leaders were doing such a terrible job leading the band that that started to make me think that I could, I could do it better myself.
1: That's the business of music. That's the business
0: Well of music. the business of music but also like just the frustration of being in like you know situations where you know you're in a band where you're just tanking because the the person in charge is just making those brutal decisions about what to do and what to play and how to do things and and so I guess it's one of those things where you've where you've been a sideman for long enough, then you really start to realize from your good bands and your bad bands, you know the right ways to do things and the wrong ways to do things, and I just got to a point where I kind of felt like you know I'd be better off uh, trying to 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 do a band myself as opposed to working for all these other people.
1: But did that mean
0: playing, making, writing your
1: own songs? Were you singing at that point?
0: Uh, I wasn't really singing a lot. Like I always sang like sort of backups of, of and I you know I wasn't really singing leads much uh and and so that is something that I like I did sort of very consciously decide to become a lead singer like very late in my life and uh and and at the beginning I was terrible I was so bad and everybody complained about how terrible I was and I'm really um uh, happy that I I pushed through and uh you know who complained oh you know, club owners oh. and other musicians and band members yeah like i mean just uh, anybody who heard me (laughs) okay so how do you overcome that um well you know you just like i mean like like if if, 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 this is why i don't believe in natural talent if i gave you were so naturally talented and i gave you a violin for the first time you start playing it like what's it gonna sound like
1: well no i understand it's gonna sound
0: awful okay but not everybody can sing well, everybody can sing. Okay, just like can you could sing, play but... violin. Like that's why I'm saying there's no natural talent. Right. You like you could do it. All you have to do is just do the things that that, that you do to learn that thing. So uh, with music, like with singing, like a, like a, I feel like I really just kind of just kept doing it, and just like the other things, like if you do it a lot, then you eventually get better. Okay. And I never got, you know, like I mean like I don't think like uh, like I ever got to the point where like I'm a great singer, but like just but at least I'm sort of, you know, can you know, competent enough to to do it. Right. But but I mean like really so many of the great singers like or some of the a lot of the famous singers are not great, singer. great singers. Like yeah. I mean like, you know, like just uh, to me an example is Mick Jagger. I mean like, you know, like Right. I, like I like to me my advice to singers is always like the singers of these bands, they're not they're not singers because they're great singers. They're singers because they're brave. They're brave enough to do it. Like most people like won't sing because they think I'm gonna sound so terrible.
1: But was that hard when you when when you weren't confident and you weren't a good what what people were telling you weren't a good yeah, singer? Yeah, it it
0: hurts. <laughs> But and like uh, everything
1: else, you work at it and you
0: get yeah, there. Yeah, but I, you know, I just, I just stuck with it and, and you know, like it got better. Okay, so and then
1: you, you worked on and you released two albums.
0: Yeah, so like you know, like I, I think it, uh, we, I made, I made uh, two albums of uh, original material. Um, and, uh, which was great and mm-hmm. I love doing that uh, but it's very very uh, hard work and uh, I kind of very quickly came to realize that uh, uh, you know that that creating the music is really only the beginning it's really it's really the business end of things that you you need to have a plan to market the music right uh, which which I was pretty terrible at and and you know even didn't really know the first thing about it and you're playing in bars. I'm playing in clubs, yeah, nightclubs, exactly. Okay, so at what point do you decide you, wanna, you have to have a different plan? A different plan, like in terms of like, uh, my own band, as opposed to being yeah. side guys for all these other people? Uh, well, like I say, well, it probably it was in my late 20s, I was starting to think that maybe that's something I should do, and, and uh, just because I, I kind of felt like, you know what, like, I can do it better than a lot of these people that are hiring me. So why not give it a shot? And when you gave it a shot, was it as easy, and did you do better? Yeah, I think I did. Like, uh, you know, like, like, uh, um, I mean, like, it was hard. It's very hard getting started. Yeah. Um, and uh, but but uh, right away, I kind of felt like at least I was doing some things the way I wanted to do them, the way I thought that they would work well. And 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 I kind of felt like yeah, they they did work well.
1: And was it a goal that that said I'm going to play? All over Canada? I want to do Ontario? Well, I just want to do local?
0: I mean, uh, the goal was to be uh, uh, Paul McCartney or, or someone like that. You know, like, that would be great if, if someone heard some of my music and, and you know, realized that uh, this is going to be the next big thing. Uh, but that didn't happen. <laughs> but that uh, that uh, would have been... Um, right, but that was the plan. Well, I don't know. You know, like, again, like, I mean, I was never really good at plans. Like, I mean, like like, I think, like, now that I've sort of seen how people do it, you know, that they're, the way to do it is to be incredibly focused, to have a goal, to have a plan, uh, uh, you know, like of, of how you're going to do everything. I was just never really like that. I, like, and, I, and I was very naive. I, I just didn't know. Uh, one of the most deadly things that happened to me is that, is that because you're young and, you know, they say youth is wasted on the young. I just felt like I knew way more than I actually did. I really knew nothing. Uh, but I, cause I knew so little, I didn't even know how little I knew, I knew. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just had no idea of, of actually what's involved in, in, in being serious about it. And, and, and for the longest time I never was, you know, so, so, um. Okay. But at one point you make a decision that you want to do
1: corporate stuff. Yes. And weddings.
0: Well, that came much later. Oh, okay. Yeah, because even when I, when, I, when I had my band, I mean, all I was trying to do... It was funny, actually, because uh, like, like I actually didn't want to do that work. Uh, all I wanted to do was play in nightclubs. Right. And uh, Which was kind of, again, stupid in retrospect because I never realized that I could be making much better money like sort of doing special events and that sort of thing. Um, so I, I really just wanted to play in nightclubs, and that is something I had done a lot of already as a sideman. And so that was kind of what I was trying to do.
1: Now, you also have a weekly residency at the Orbit Room, which you've been doing for how long, How many years now? 21 years. 21 years. Okay, so where does that come in? Where does that fall into place? Um, like how what, much after you started your own band did you get uh, that?
0: What, what happened was, like when I started my own band, the way I, the way I did it was that I, I, I first got gigs like anywhere I could get a gig and they were usually the most terrible awful places and I didn't have a band so what I would do is that I would hire musicians that I knew I would get a job and then hire people that I knew and every time I would hire different people at all who had never played together before and never knew each other and we would just do complete standards that I knew I could depend on a a good musician to know right and so we were all completely winging it Uh, but one of the things uh, that I kind of felt like a lot of these band leaders that I'd worked for before really didn't do is that they never really thought about what the audience wanted to hear. Uh, and in a lot of cases, we'd be playing like stuff that just nobody wanted to listen to. Uh, so I would, you know, just try and sort of think about more like music that people would want to hear and, and that's what we would play and that, that actually worked quite well. But still playing the worst, most awful places that, that it, where no one really wanted to hear music very much. And how are you feeling at this point? Discouraged. <laughs> um, then um, uh, I was so I was I was only doing that a little bit because I was just getting started. I was still mostly being a side guy to all sorts of other bands. And at that time, I was a side guy for Danny Marks. Right. And so one of the times when I was putting together my little one of my little gigs where I'm just hiring random people, I decided you know, like very boldly because I figured he would never say yes. I'm going to ask Danny Marks, who was one of my heroes, you know, would you actually come and play a gig with me? And uh, and and to my amazement, uh, he he did say that he would come and do it. And um, on that particular gig that night, I had told people in the audience, just yell out anything you want to hear and I'll try it. And that's something that Danny was great at. Like, yeah. like, like, he's a man of a thousand songs. Yeah. And, and so I was trying, and, and so this particular night, everything that everyone yelled out at me, just by coincidence, I happened to know. So this is like, uh, and Danny was, uh, I thought was uh, impressed by that. And so he recommended me to play at the Chicken Deli, right. which was just, you know, like a, a little music club in, in Toronto that at the time was very popular. But that was the first time I'd ever played in an actual sort of like a club that had you know, real bands. Right. And um, so, so that, because before that, I couldn't get anybody to hire me. No one would hire us. But as soon as we got in there, and, and, and that was a really eye-opening experience because we were playing the exact same music, but we, like the reception was a thousand times better because this was a place people were actually going to hear the band. Right. So uh, that was a real eye-opening experience for me because like all of a sudden, people were responding to us really well. When we were playing the exact same stuff that everyone was ignoring us everywhere else, right? And then, when, as soon as we were in there, then, 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 and we and we were doing well there. Then all these different clubs started hiring us, and so we were doing really well and doing all you know the the good clubs that there were to play at that time. And then around that time is when the Orbit Room opened and uh the orbit room uh their first house band was like just like the, the greatest band ever the dexters mm-hmm. and that was like just like some of the best musicians in toronto that was um lou pamonte and uh, peter cardinelli and mike slosky and bernie labarge and um and also on that same street uh, another band just a few doors down another band played all the time even before the orbit opened up and that was soul stew
1: right.
0: and that was with uh, michael Dunstan and all the great players that played in his band that was another band it was just like an incredible band and so so you know in my spare time i would go see these guys play and it'd be like this is just the greatest music i've ever heard like they're so great and so it was it was my um it was my dream to play at the Orbit, like, cause that and that, and it wasn't just the Dexter's. Like every band that played there was like, like they were all like really, really great musicians, and and, and it was kind of like a music club where you know musicians went to, and there were you know to this day there's no TVs, you know there's no food, there was nothing to do, there was only music. So right. I really liked it for that reason, and it was a ha- the house Hammond organ. And, uh, so, uh, I just made a decision that this is a place I have to play. Uh, also, coincidentally, it was just like, I lived in the neighborhood. It was just a few blocks away from where I was living at the time. And so I just decided I have to play there, somehow get in. And I made it a mission to, to get a job there. And it's a pretty funny story, all the things that I had to do that never worked. <laughs> I, I, I tried so many different things and could not get a job there. And anyway, like finally, after about a year of pestering them, they, they, they finally uh, gave me a job and, and, uh. And it worked out. And so we're still there. And I still love it. Like I still It's crazy. 21 years. 21 years playing there tonight. I mean, I, and I love it there. Like, I mean, I love playing there. I love... It's just the greatest place. Okay, so that happens.
1: Yeah. At one point, you decide you want to do corporate gigs. How do you make that decision?
0: Uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, I guess... Certainly, one way you would make that decision is that if you have a family, which I did, you know, I got married and I had kids, and then you need money. (laughs) Uh, Like, man, it's expensive. So, um, you know... But you didn't like that idea initially, right? No, you know, it was funny, actually, because... um, you know, for years, you know, the guys in my band were saying, "Oh, we should, you know, we should do some weddings, we should do corporate work." You know, you, you, know, you. Know. But I, I, you know, to me, it was just like, ah, you know, I don't want to do that. Um. Uh, even though, like, the, the money would be much better, which it is, and, um, but I guess I, you know, kind of later on, when I kind of realized, well, it does pay better, and and uh, and now, you know, that I have these children, I actually really need the money. Then uh, that's pretty much what did it,
1: right? Um, and then what did that mean in terms of what you played and how you played it or your approach to music?
0: Um, you know, it's funny, in a lot of ways, it didn't really change things that much. I mean, like, I think, you know, for me, if people are paying you, like, if, especially if they're paying you well, and you, you, you kind of need to sort of think about what is it that they're wanting. Right. And, uh, you know, to try and give them that if, uh, if possible. So, so, um, in many ways, there's kind of the same orientation I would use to, you know, like, like, like if there's a whole bunch of people in a club that have come to hear us, you know, I want to make them happy. Like you know, sometimes I tell people like music is a happiness business. You're making people happy. Uh, uh, so it's really not so different. It's just kind of, you know, taking this particular situation that you're in and, Assessing it and uh, saying what's going to work best for this crowd. Quick segue: uh, uh, something that massively influenced my approach to music was working at a comedy club. It's one of a million-odd jobs I had when I was a kid, and I worked at Yuck Yucks.
1: Okay, oh, doing what?
0: Making popcorn, okay. which was the worst job to give me because I just ate all the popcorn myself. Um, but what I got to do every night is that there'd be this mad rush when people come in at the beginning of the show where you're working like crazy. But as soon as the show starts, it's really almost nothing to do because it's just the show. Like, so no one's ordering anything. So you get to watch these comedy shows. And uh, what I very quickly realized was that the, 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 these comedians have routines that they never vary from at all. And they seem spontaneous, but they're not. Like, you know, as soon as they say this, then they're going to say the next thing and um but there was a rare few guys that they comp- could completely wing it and the greatest guy i ever saw do that was mike uh, bullard's brother who is pat bullard he was the best i'd ever seen like of just completely winging it and and it was the greatest most enjoyable thing to see because basically what he's doing is responding in the moment mm-hmm. and not going in with a set plan so that's That inspired me to always do my music that way. So, uh, you know, because I learned so much music from all these different things that I've done that I, you know, I had like, you know, a a huge repertoire. And so every time I do a show, like I'm, I'm, I'm making it up based on in the moment, based on what I think is going to be best in the moment.
1: But you also have a repertoire that's like ridiculous.
0: Yeah, like it's, it's, it's really huge. And it's, it's stylistically diverse, which, which keeps it, things interesting for us. Right. So, in a way, it's great. Like, I mean, we get to play all types of different music, like, because we're doing all types of different shows. Right. Uh, so, you know, musically, it's very gratifying. And, and uh, you know, so when I was saying it's not so different to do a corporate show, like, it's the same. Like, the club shows are not the same either. It's always depending on, you know, is a place packed? Is it empty? You know, who are the people you're playing for? Like, what is the situation? And and it's always different. So you're always making up in the moment. So it's the same with any job you do, for you know, for me. Okay, so
1: at one point, you also decide you're going to do weddings. Yeah. Um, was that a difficult decision?
0: Yeah, it was, yes. Because in it's some ways,
1: one more step to... Yeah, like, I
0: mean, it's, it's one more step away from the Beatles.
1: Right. But... And then they also say, "Can you play? Can you learn these songs?" Or this is the first. Yeah, that
0: that that's something. That's something that like the great thing about being your own boss is that you can, you know, kind of organize it the way you want. And so, uh, kind of very quickly, I realized that part of it is going to drive me nuts. So, so I basically just tell my clients, you know. We don't learn songs. <laughs> Are You serious? Yes, I'm serious.
1: So if I want a first song that's special to me,
0: yeah, I say I'm gonna I'm gonna play the track for you, just like a DJ, <laughs> and you're gonna love it. You're gonna hear it exactly the way you love it. Really? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, like well, you know, like what I do, like I, you know, I'll say to them, like, look, here's here's a list of over a thousand songs we can do. So it can be any one of these, or if it's not, just tell me what it is, and I'll, I'll play the track for you.
1: Okay. Yeah. I thought you learned songs, though. Because Sorry? I we,
0: we talked about you learning
1: new songs and
0: stuff. Yeah, it's just uh, that, that, like, I mean, I'm always learning new songs, but that just sort of makes sure that it's just me who's deciding. Right, okay. Uh, r- rather than some, you know, person getting us to learn some crazy song I'm never going to play again.
1: Right, but... But now, you have your corporate gigs, which keep you busy. Yeah. You also have like a lot of wedding gigs yes. because you have a reputation of being a great wedding band. Yes. And then you have your Orbit Room thing. Yes. Do you approach these three things differently any more than what you just said before? Uh,
0: you know, uh, I, I told you uh, that uh, we were watching this biography about Ray Charles. Yeah. And then just a crazy... Part of his story is that when he was fourteen, he uh, knew um, he knew Quincy Jones when uh, you know Ray Charles was fourteen and and he was um, Ray Charles was sixteen. Anyway, so that I was I was amazed. Is that like it was just it was in a biopic, and I was like, does that actually happen? So I looked it up on Wikipedia, and and yes, it's true, it did happen. And just while I was there, I was reading, and it was this great piece of advice that Quincy Jones' dad gave him, and it was uh, I wish I had the exact line, but it was basically. Um, anything you do, do it amazing or don't do it. So, so that's pretty much what we try and do. I mean, that was one of the things that, you know, that caused me to be a band leader is by seeing other band leaders that were not, you know, doing their best to make it great. Right. And, uh, you know, to me, anyone who comes out to see you deserves your respect and you need to take care of those people. So, so that's what I try and do. I try and make it uh, as good as I can make it, you know, uh, whatever type of show I'm doing.
1: And this keeps you quite busy and you're booked way in advance. Yes. So how does the Jeff Healy connection happen?
0: Um, when I was a sideman to all these other bands, uh, and I was still very young, and, and Jeff was at the height of his fame, I decided that Jeff needed... Uh, the, you know, the trio was great, but was going to really put his band over the top was a keyboard player. Right. Me. <laughs> so the only problem is is that, like, you know, like, Jeff doesn't know a thing about me, and there's really no reason in the world for him to be interested in having me. Uh, Just a minor inconvenience. Yeah, minor inconvenience. But I decided that uh, uh, Jeff should have me in his band. And so... Uh, I wanted to somehow contact Jeff to say, hey, you know, get me as a keyboardist in your band. At the time, he was being managed by his drummer, Tom Steven. And so they basically told me, well, you, you know, you got to get in touch, you know, with his management. And I figured, well, if I get in touch with his management, they're like, because no one knows who I am. They're not going to give me the time of day. Like, he's never even going to get the message. So I, what I decide to do is I decide to, you know, write this letter directly to Jeff. And to make sure that Jeff and only Jeff gets it, I go to the CNIB and I get them to type up the letter in braille, and then I brought it to uh, the management, and it was really funny because I had a I had a broken leg at the time, <laughs> and and uh, uh, I'll always remember like like going into their office and and uh, Tom Steven was in. Um, Uh, like sort of like on a Shea Lounge by a swimming pool. You know, I think it was talking to New York on like one of the first cell phones ever that was the size of a brick. (laughs) And uh, I had dropped off this letter for him and trying to get into the band. And um, I think they actually did send me a letter saying, you know, thanks, but we're not looking for anybody at this time. And that was that. So now... And I don't know if he even... Like, I don't think he ever remembers that. I think I told him that story, and I don't think he had no recollection. I think he yeah, I think he had sort of said something to the effect of those were kind of lost years for me, right? <laughs> he doesn't remember much of anything. Right. So now it's like about uh, 10, 15 years later, and um, Jeff has his club, and he has a house band, and they do this amazing thing where every Thursday they get a special musical guest, uh uh to be the guest of Jeff and his house band. And uh, these were a combination of local musicians and then some of uh, Jeff's uh, famous friends when they were in town. And um, anyway, I guess someone had suggested to Jeff that he should get me as a guest. And, and we really, like, you know, I'd really never met him or anything. And, and uh, they, they were going to just get me to be the guest at
1: um, and they, they were saying, suggesting you because of the work you've done in other clubs and because of your band
0: work. Yeah, I don't know who suggested me. Like, I did, like I, I mean, if I were to guess, I think it'd be either either Jerome Godbu, who was a band leader at the time, or or Alec Fraser. Like, I, I kind of had a long history with both those guys, so maybe I'm I'm suspecting maybe one of them suggested me. Okay. Um, but I was not like part of the regular rotation of people that they got so like it was kind of like a, a, a like an outside of the box type suggestion for a guest. I don't know why somebody suggested me
1: because they couldn't find another piano player. Yeah, exactly
0: that's always a the reason. <laughs> they couldn't get anybody else <laughs> So. Um, So when I went in to be the guest, I I, I had it in my mind that I wanted to go in and play a bunch of music that I thought Jeff would really like to play. And I tried to pick a bunch of songs that were kind of not the usual sort of standard material, but stuff that was kind of like maybe uh, harmonically a little more interesting and uh and so i i went and i did the show and and i thought it went really well and it seemed like jeff really enjoyed it and it was and it was cool and i kind of and and basically that was that right and it, was, it, was, it was something i'd always wanted to do and i got to do it and it was I was i was really thrilled and that was kind of the end of it and then you know um, like a couple months later uh jeff contacted me and said that you know he was uh, uh, there was going to be some changes to the uh, house band, and would he consider come what I consider uh, coming and being in the house band, and uh, and uh, leading up the house band for him? Did he finally find your letter? You <laughs> <laughs> no, didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so how I did fi- you,
1: So this is based on that one evening. On
0: that one night, that wow. was all. Like that was that was it. I mean, um, it was just that one night. Like I mean, I mean, maybe he knew the, you know of what I was doing, and uh, you know, I'd like, but it was kind of just an offer that came out of the blue. And, you know, so of course, like, yeah, you know, I'd love to do that. That'd be incredible. And then, and then it was funny. Then there was, there was this enormous delay where he'd asked me about it and I kind of had my heart all set on doing it. And I didn't hear from him for a very long time. And I thought it was all not going to happen. And then a couple months later it did happen and I was in. And, and, um, and I think my second gig, uh, the guest was Steve Lukather, the guitarist from uh, Toto. Which was like 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 ah, oh, it's like unbelievably nerve wracking. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> I mean you had they had some amazing guests. Oh, they had definitely. some
0: incredible guests, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean one moment I will never forget, going back to what you were talking about when you were growing up and listening to Deep Purple was yeah. when Ian Gillen came to the club and Yes.
0: And you yeah, that was that of, was incredible for me. I got to do all these like my favorite Deep Purple songs with Ian Gillen singing them. It was like, wow, this is fantastic. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, so so that was really cool. So so uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was just you know again like just one of these crazy random things you could never plan.
1: Tell me about Jeff. Yeah, who he was to you and what he meant to you.
0: Uh, well, I mean, he was incredibly. You know, just, just the story I just told. He really went out of his way to have, like, local musicians, like, who he was just, like, you know, like, like worlds above. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that he did that, like, he was such a generous person. He was really, like, a, like a really generous spirit. He made a point of getting all these local musicians, uh, who, you know, who, who he was just worlds above. And, like, he was a world-class talent, but yeah. he was so generous. Uh, So I remember that, uh, you know, like for for an artist of that stature, like he was just so selfless and and so generous, uh, you know, with other musicians and, and wanting to feature other people and just wanted to play with everybody. He loved to play. Right. Uh, like, I'll always remember that if you if you did a big concert with him somewhere, you know, that as soon as it was done and we were back at the hotel, like, he'd want to go out, you know, to some little bar and, like, and, and if they'd let him get up on stage and play there. And, and you know, whoever was playing guitar in that band, you know, whatever terrible guitar and amp he had, if Jeff got on it, it would be amazing. <laughs> like, the most incredible thing you ever heard until it all blew up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I remember that he loved to play. Uh, he was incredibly, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, supportive and putting the spotlight on all his uh, fellow musicians. Um, the depth of his musicianship was just like astounding. Like he was, he was like an ocean of, 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 you know, like just, just when you think you've heard him do it all, or something else even deeper that he hasn't shown you yet. Right. And and to and to be. You know, on stage with him, you know, night after night, watching him do these things, and and you know, like I was telling you the story before of how I learned from the, my experience of being at the comic club of always making things different. He loved that, so that was one reason why he and I were like a great fit because um, he loved to wing it.
1: Like he would like, call like, out songs he'd never played. Before. Yeah,
0: like like, like again, sometimes like a huge concert, you know, like like you know, like we we call out a song that none of us had ever played before, like, and he loved that uh you know like he, he, his whole thing was like you know surprise me was there ever a moment where that was just a very bad
1: mistake yeah
0: <laughs> yeah of course you know like but 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 that's the other thing that was so great about it he didn't care he didn't care at all like i mean like like you know like you know but no matter how badly you know i was shocked uh, you know when we do these shows that that like 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 again like an artist at his level that that there would be no plan at all. Like, like in a lot of times he'd be calling songs that I didn't even know at all. <laughs> you know, when we did records, he would sort of say, you know, like we're going to play this song. We'd like he might run it through once and then we're recording it. Like, like again, like, you know, the, it's kind of almost like his model, like surprise me. Like, you know, just, uh, uh, I want to be, you know, surprised.
1: Do you remember the first big concert you played with Jeff?
0: Uh, to be honest, I really don't. <laughs> But I guess you played big concerts and Well, yeah, times, right? I had. I had been I had played some pretty big concerts with uh, Ronnie. Right. Um, uh, you know, when I was with him. Uh, but I mean it was still like totally totally cool. I mean, it was one of the greatest things ever to for, you know, for me to get to play with Jeff. I mean, cuz uh, you know, he's you know, in my mind he's one of the best guitarists who ever lived. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like uh, and and so, you know, what an honor to uh To play with him, and and you know, uh, I could go on and on about like how great he was. I mean, he was, he was so funny. Mm He was a very funny guy, like which I never would have realized. Like, uh, 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 and uh, so it was great fun to hang out with him and be on the road with him. Yeah, I just remember him laughing a lot. He was very, yeah, he loved to laugh. Like we were just always joking and clowning around. He was just so you know laid back and, uh, he was a really awesome guy. Yeah. Like like a really unique guy. Like I mean like like, like I'm not even and I can't even believe I mean you mentioned you know the fact that of course he's blind. Yeah. And uh, you know uh, like he, he didn't let that kind of stop him or slow him down in any way. Like you know like uh, it was pretty amazing how independent he was and how he would just do pretty much whatever he wanted to do. So it was very impressive. So
1: musically what would you have taken away from him? Like what would that experience have given you?
0: um in some ways it made me realize even more the value of spontaneity and kind of chemistry like like i remember uh one of the records that we did with him um that was really really well received when we were recording it at the time i kind of felt you know it's it's kind of crazy that we're not preparing more like we're not we're not more organized right like we're, we're literally just kind of like completely winging it uh, but it turned out you know that the record was incredibly well received because it had the great spirit of just all of us you know playing and we've been playing together for a while and it was a great great band mm-hmm. you know like all those guys like uh, al webster and alec fraser and and um it was an incredible band um so it kind of made me realize even more that you know that um there's something to be said for for being in the moment
1: yeah no it's and it is because of you that i got a chance to work with jeff in a little ways and i have to thank you for that wow you know because i mean it really you kind of opened the door and allowed me to do some shooting and you know the the tribute video i did would have never happened if it wasn't you saying hey come on down and shoot stuff and I'm clear with Jeff.
0: Yes, so, yeah, um, and and like and and like I think it's been viewed a million times now. A million times. A million times. Well, like, wow. it's, I just, it's just it's Jeff. Like it's, but it's you too. I no, mean. it's
1: <laughs> Jeff. It's it's definitely his magic and and just how well, I certainly was shows
0: it shows how beloved he was. Yeah, that's for sure.
1: And and you know there was a point where it was getting close to a million, and I think I've told the story before, but as I tracked it because I just saw it moving, like it was averaging a thousand views. A day, if wow. not up to 4,000. Wow. Like, on a consistent basis. And that's, wow. I like, guess, how you get a million views. But, I mean, people love Jeff Healy, and they still do. And, yes. And, you know, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, one of the... And, and, and you know, the, the, the really sad thing is, is that it was such a blast for me to do because, uh, you know, ever since that I put my own band together, it's a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And... um uh, so, but when I played with Jeff, I really had no responsibilities, you know, cause you know, whatever right. issues there were, it was someone else's problem. So that was like really unbelievably fun for me.
1: So it was all about the music.
0: It was all about the music and, and I was just, you know, cause, and cause of course like I never stopped knowing how to be a sideman and, and, um, uh, although, you know, crazily like a lot of times Jeff would just let me lead the show, which was nuts, but that's the type of guy he was, right? Yeah and uh, it was so much fun and uh, you know but at the time it kind of felt like it would just go on forever Yeah. and and uh, uh, it, you know I, I always imagined that Jeff would be like Canada's BB King and he'd be like you know he'd live till his 80s and he'd just be so well respected and this would be something we'd be, always be doing Yeah. and uh, it didn't you know it didn't really seem possible it could come to such an end the way it did and his life did you know it's very sad
1: it is but I mean, how lucky are we? I mean, I just I think in some ways the blue scene in Toronto just died when his club disappeared. You know, like in a big way. Like that was such a big part of it, yeah. and His presence and everything. Yeah. But how you know when I tell people, yeah, I could go down on Thursday and see Jeff Healey play every week. Yeah, it was just like crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? And how lucky were we to have that? Uh, it for was. Many we were.
0: Years. We were. Yeah, we really were blessed to have that. And you know, and he was really into it. Yeah, He loved to play. Yeah, You know, it's funny because like a lot of these artists get so big that, you know, something a lot of people don't realize about artists when they get really, really super famous is they actually, in a lot of cases, don't get to play very often. Right. You know, because like, like you know, if you're a huge artist, how many times in a year are you going to play your hometown? Right. Once, right? Yeah. And Jeff just wanted to be playing all the time. So so, what an incredible thing that you could see a musician of that stature like every single week. I know. I mean, you know, like like and and, and to some degree, I mean, I really feel like Toronto kind of took him for granted, and I don't think mm-hmm. he's kind of realized, you know, what a treasure he was. For
1: sure. Well, it could be you could actually go see him twice a week because he would. Yeah, because he jazz. did he did the jazz band, yeah, a, which on is a amazing night, as well. Yeah.
0: And, and like in and of itself, and completely different, yeah. and equally incredible. I mean, like, that's, that's the thing. Like, the depth of that guy musically, like, I mean, like, to, to be that good at either genre, let alone both of them, and, and many others, I mean, like, there's really almost nothing he couldn't do. So many times you call a song out of the blue that you figure he's not gonna know this <laughs> one. And, he, and, like, he always did. He always knew how to play it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're very lucky to have experienced Jeff Lee. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's time to go. Thank you so much for doing this. I've, wa- I've wanted to do this for a long time. You're somebody I respect a great deal. Um, I consider you a really good friend, and I really
0: appreciate you doing this for me. I'm also a great admirer of you <laughs> and your work, Marco. <laughs> you don't have to say that. I am. It's true. You know it's <laughs> true. But so uh, I, I've, i am uh, You know, it's. Uh, uh, it's a pleasure to uh to to just to know you and to uh to be able to do this so i thank you for having me thank you